Lee, you're one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, how Australian nas- native plants germinate using smoke. Your teacher is Kingsley Dixon, John Curtin, Distinguished Professor in Botany at Curtin University. Kingsley, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you all. Yeah, I guess we all know that fire has always, has, you know, at the moment plays a significant role in the ecology of Australian flora that it helps germination. Does that go way back? Has it always been that case? Look, uh, we suspect the phenomenon of uh, fire-stimulated germination goes right back to probably the origins of the first flowering plants. So we're, we're really talking um, potentially 135 to 150 million years ago. But the trick in it, it was probably not fire, but the same products produced from fire that were probably found in organic decay in ancient rainforests, that things worked out, I've got a space in the sun to grow, and through accelerated organic decay. That's only a working hypothesis. Um, And, of course, we can click forward to the last uh, 10 to 20 million years uh, where the flammability of the continent increased, and then, uh, bingo, lots of Australian plants worked out, well, I'm not in a rainforest anymore with lots of leaf litter and a big tree's fallen over and I know there's space, but I know there's space because a big fire's come through and they've been able to pick up a very similar uh, chemical key that unlocks deep sleep dormancy in so many native species. In other words, there's an evolutionary logic to it. Plants that were able to respond to fire and, and see the, 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 the niche that was available to them were more likely to propagate. That's correct, because there's no point growing somewhere where it's already occupied. You know, there's, there are very few plant high-rises in plant ecology, um, epiphytic orchids and ferns and stuff that grow up tree trunks. They've learned high-rise living. For most other plants, life in the soil is fighting for a bit of room and space. But when a fire happens, uh, you then get the elimination of a whole lot of competitors. And so that's the time to go, well, my seed bank. And, you you know, there's been measures of some of these seed banks. They could be 50 to 100 years old. Suddenly they spring to life. But they have to know when to spring to life because they've been in that deep sleep. And that's the magic of one of the key products of fire which, of course, is smoke. Mm. That evolutionary logic should work all over the planet, not just here. Does it? Do, do plants all over the planet respond to smoke and fire in this way? They sure do. Um, when we uh, first came across the work, and it was some work by some South African colleagues that opened the door for us for Australian species, we immediately then thought, well, let's go and look around the world. And other colleagues have been working in California and, and I remember there was one of these classic debates um, that we had, uh, and it was a, a fire ecologist in California, and I met with him and I said, uh, you've been working in a similar parallel universe with Californian species, and we know, you know, there's these terrible fires happening in California and uh, Montana and, and uh, various parts of the west coast of the US. Um, and so they had fire ecological stimuli in their plants. And um, he said, oh, yes, we found it's charcoal. <laughs> I remember saying, yes, well, we've taken your charcoal and washed it and we get the same sort of chemical signal that we get from smoke. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, no, but it's, it's, it's charcoal. And I said, <laughs> charcoal, you know, you put it, put it in your shoes to make your socks from not smelling. Anyway, the debate carried on and carried on and, and ultimately in the end um, they came around and they realised it was actually smoke bound onto the charcoal after the passage of a fire. 
like like a, a slow release fertilizer granule that then released the smoke into the soil. And so we looked at species from Chile, South Africa, uh, the Mediterranean basin. We even had uh, people who managed the heather in Scotland for, for, for grouse shooting, and they said, oh, would grouse grow after smoke? Um, uh, sorry, not grouse. Yeah, yeah, the, the heather. <laughs> the yeah. heather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the heather was a really interesting one because it's not a fire-prone environment. They do burn the heather to get the young shoots, which the grouse eat. But coincidentally, heather turned out to love smoke. And so they were able to grow it on demand using the same smoke stimuli that we were using here in Australia. So, yeah, it's, it's found around the world. Not all species do it but lots of species love it. Are they responding to the heat or the smoke or, or both? Uh, that's where we start to get some really interesting stuff. There are some species that just need heat, but most species that need smoke don't require the heat at all. And so you can take seed fresh off a plant, puff some smoke on it, keep it moist, the right temperatures, and bingo, it will come up. And we've just been working on that as we speak here, um, that we have exactly the same phenomenon now starting to show in some of our native blueberry species. These are species of uh, the family, the Ericaceae. Some of you will, will know them, uh, some of these beautiful beard heaths and, uh, and other species. And we've been able to now show after uh, many decades that they need a little bit of ageing in soil and then they have an irresistible requirement for smoke. Mm, so fascinating. Does this have to happen in situ or if you want to propagate seeds from a seed bank, can you fake this up in, in, a, in a lab or a nursery? Sure can. Um, what we've done is made it as simple that you can use a bee smoker. So get a little lunchbox, cut a little hole, put a bit of toweling on the bottom, and if you've got seed, just a few, uh, and I just did it with some uh, a, a beautiful uh, gorilla we have uh, here in Western Australia, um, one of the most spectacularly coloured ones, bright red, waxy flowers. What we did was we put in a little uh, um, lunchbox, a little hole at one side, puff some smoke in, and the trick here is we, we don't burn anything that's got lots of oils in it, so eucalypt leaves and Melaleucas, no, they've got a lot of oils. We just use a mixture of dry material like a bit of she-oak, a little bit of banksia leaves, but dry. Uh, you can mix a little bit of straw in it and puff that in there and it's miraculous. They come up like bean sprouts. Isn't that amazing? And and that's with actual smoke. Can you use, uh, I, I don't know, d- dissolve smoke in water, for instance, or the or, or a sort of, uh, you know, a chemical of salt in the feed, of, of smoke in the feed you give them? Yeah, so not all smoke is good. And it's not that we don't have the chemical in there, but things like wood smoke actually contains lots of nasty things. So if you burn wood chips or you burn newspaper, um, particularly newspaper made out of uh, uh, tree pulp, you produce a lot of other substances, um, little things like creosotes, and they're quite toxic. You've got the promotive effect effect, but you've also got uh, the suppressors of germination, so it's a bit of a tug of war with the seed. What we find is by burning those things like she-oak leaves, uh, uh, banksia leaves, uh, some straw material, um, even with a little bit of cellulose tissue or cotton wool, 
just to get the ignition going, you get a nice, clean, pure, uh, we sometimes refer to it as a sweet smoke because it, it doesn't have a very strong or pungent odour to it. So, um, yeah, it works extremely effectively, faster germination, more uniform germination, and in many species, more robust-looking seedlings. It's amazing in the, the lab or the nursery, but it is especially amazing in nature. I think a lot of people, have, uh, if they've had the chance to see the bushfire-affected areas come back to life, that regeneration, I know it's not been complete, it's certainly not been complete for the animals, but in terms of the plants coming back, it has been remarkable. And, and to, to know from what you're saying, these are sometimes seeds that have been in that seed bank for decades, and they're in a sense smelling the smoke and seeing an opportunity. That's it. They've found their day in the sun and they're going to capitalise on it. It means, of course, there's a lot of things germinate. So you will get, we've measured uh, a soil seed bank where we were doing some smoke studies. We were getting in excess of 10,000 seeds of many species in a square metre. Now, not all of those get the stimulation. A lot of them die on the emergence phase, sometimes too cold. Maybe the smoke cue didn't get to them but it's a very busy, hectic and competitive space. And that's where we believe you get a nice little bit of selection of the fittest. So only the seedlings that are big, robust and all the rest go forward to become the next generation. So there's the, the battle, the tug of war to get to the surface is also part of, we think, of keeping the population fit and healthy. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very fascinating world after the rains arrive after a bushfire. And the, ri- the rallying cry is the smell of smoke. There you go. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so fascinating. Hey, uh, Kingsley, thank you so much for your lesson. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That's Kingsley Dixon. Kingsley Dixon is the John Curtin Distinguished Professor in Botany at Curtin University. You can listen again to his Self-Improvement Wednesday lesson on how native plants germinate using smoke on our website, abc.net.au. And, of course, there'll be another Self-Improvement Wednesday here on Drive next week. Tune in. Learn something about a subject you probably didn't know anything about at all. That's our Self-Improvement promise each week, Wednesdays on Drive. Drive.